Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255. Welcome to another week of witty lines, laughter, and information. Frank Napolitano is here, and the old man is here too, Mr. Rushforth. The old man, what's that about? Happy birthday uh, uh, to you. Happy belated. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Nice of you to buy breakfast for us today. Oh, no, that didn't happen. How many How many weeks in a row is that now? Well, you know what? I, I will, uh, you know, our good friend Adam Cote uh, bought me dinner last night, so I want to wow. thank him for buying me dinner. It's the first time someone's ever bought me a meal because I usually have to buy all your breakfast, so it was nice <laughs> of Adam to, to buy me a birthday dinner. And, and thank you to my amazing girlfriend, Petra, who actually took me to the Nordic Spa and got me burnt. Um, and we had a wonderful day at the Nordic Spa, and then we she surprised me at uh, Maddie down Preston. She surprised me with uh, some of my good friends and my parents up for dinner last night. So it was it was an awesome day. Wow! So uh, CPP now <laughs> forty eight. Oh, we're right? talking we, off the air. We're talking <laughs> off the air. He's the same age you were when we started the show, Steve. Yeah, and that was a mere three years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, she, she reminds me. She reminds me. She's thirty nine, so she reminds me that I'm closer to fifty than. Uh, well, she's turning forty this year, so whatever. <laughs> well, your age isn't the only thing going up. Another week of more expensive everything. Yeah, thank yeah, you, everybody. Frank. Go ahead. Give us the bad news. Uh, Frank. Oh, inflation numbers are high. Will continue to be high probably for another couple of months. Uh, you know, we've seen the bond market in a short four month period. In four months. At this time, four months ago, the five-year bond was trading at 1.18. Today, it's at 2.81. That's a one and three-quarter percent hike in interest rates that we've seen passed on to consumers on the fixed side. And that train seems to be going still because I don't see it slowing down. Uh, we're, we're, we're pretty well at 4% now. The toughest conversations to have right now are for customers that are currently in a variable rate mortgage. What do they do? Uh, because, I mean, if we thought we hit the peak, then obviously it's an easy decision. You stay in the variable. But there's a lot of nervousness out there, and you see some of the media reports that are talking about Bank of Canada really hiking it tremendously over the next one or two meetings. So uh, it's a tough call. And, of course, um, you know, had I known and had many of us known that a war would have happened in, in uh, February, I can't believe still in 2022 that that's happened, and the country that did it was the one that controlled a lot of the oil. Then, uh, and inflation numbers would have continued. You know, we thought inflation was pretty high last year because we had the supply issues, but it's gotten worse this year, and it expected to continue to be worse. And therefore, uh, we're in an environment now where, on a weekly basis, now we're seeing rate hikes on fixed mortgages, and uh, it's the highest they've been probably in about ten years now for for five year fix. So. Uh, it's uh, boy, that sure happened fast. It's unhealthy. Didn't that happen fast? It happened so you know, no different than two years ago. Had we known a pandemic was going to hit, well, you know, it was pretty clear that interest rates were going to plummet because obviously it affected the whole world. So, uh, the same thing has happened reverse two years later, where you know, this war and um, a number of other factors have have really uh, contributed to um. You know, us having the inflation numbers where where they are, the bond markets spiking the way they have, and uh, obviously house prices. Uh, we all know what's happened with house prices over the last two years. So everything is that much more expensive these days. So for young Canadians looking to get, get into home ownership, I mean, it was tough enough a year ago, and the interest rates were half of what they are today. Uh, now it's next to impossible to, 
to get into a house if you're a young Canadian. Paul, are there any deals out there? Well, you know what? We're the interest rates have pretty much put a pin in our market. It's it's really really slow and stagnant right now. Now there, I say that there are some pockets that are still you know doing well, specifically the west and the south. Um, but we've we're seeing a very stagnant market right now, and. The problem is the media hasn't caught on yet. And so sellers are still being greedy and they're still expecting these, these grand slam home runs. And it's, it's not happening right now. Like our number of listings are climbing. It was only three short weeks ago. We were just over a thousand. We're now at just under 1700. Wow. That's so, a lot. That's a big, yeah, it is a lot. It is a lot. We had just this week, we had 779 listings hit the market and only 445 sales. So we're, we're, you know, well ahead of where we were. Our listings are, sorry, are, are skyrocketing compared to where what our sales are doing. So we're seeing a changing market and sellers have to realize right now that if you are still looking for that grand slam, you might have missed the market. Depending on what you're selling and where you are, you might have missed the market. We're seeing very, very, uh, almost like copycat like of where we were last June, July, when our market started to slide a little bit. We're seeing that again. Now, I'm not saying prices are going down. I'm saying... The days of, well, not the days, as of right now, uh, you know, the 200 to 200 to $250,000 over asking price is just not taking place right now. There's a lot of opportunity out there. I mean, I'm shopping, I'm, I'm looking right now for homes myself and it's, it's, there's so much selection right now. It's crazy. Like there's, it's, you know, and we went from a market where you could have an ugly home, you could put it on the market, it'd sell right now. You have an ugly home. It's not going to sell. You need to fix up your homes again. We're in that we're in that picky stage where buyers are looking for the turnkey, no work to be done. And listen, two weeks ago when I was on this show, uh, the market wasn't like it is right now. Yeah. That's how quick this market has flipped, and it's going to continue to flip. Next week, I might be telling you a different message, but sellers just be cognizant that you're. It's it's a different market right now. So if you're expecting that home run, it's it may not be happening for you. Certain segments, it is happening. Other segments, it's not. Does your gut tell you in the next month or two uh, we're heading towards a balanced market again? Well, you know, we talk about a balanced market of four to six months of, of, of supply on the market. So I guess four to six months, if, if no other home hit the market, it would take four to six months to get rid of all the inventory. Uh, right now, we're still at around a, a month, a bit more than a month. Uh, so we're still in a seller's market. However, we're pushing higher and higher, closer to that balanced market. And if it continues the way the market is right now, I would say potentially we might be looking at a balanced market come fall, um, if not the next year. But I, I, we could be in a balanced market come fall. And usually summer is a little bit slower anyways. We could be heading into a balanced market come summer. And that's something if you would ask me a month ago, I would have laughed at you if I said we're headed toward a balanced market. But we, we, we are. We are heading towards a balanced market, which is not a bad thing. You know, our buyers are less grumpy right now. Sellers are starting to get a little bit more grumpy in certain in certain pockets of the city. So we'll see what's going to happen. I mean, this market's so fluid. I've been saying this for two years. It's so fluid. My message one week can be different from the message the next week. It all depends on what's happening in the market. We are seeing when you have 779 homes hit the market in one week, that's a lot. Yeah. Like that's, that, those are pre-pandemic numbers. Like that's a lot. Now, balanced market doesn't mean the prices are necessarily going to go down. It just means you have to work harder to sell your home, right? Yeah, which is a normal market. Listen, realtors have been going through balanced markets for years. And I mean, uh, most of my career has been in a balanced market. And it takes a, a really strong listing agent to get it with the marketing machine behind them to get your home sold. And let's be honest, when we are in this strong seller's market, you know, a monkey could have sold a home. However, you know, it, it all depends on how much more we can get over asking for you. But really, you could have possibly sold your own home. Um, 
and, and now it's we're, we're at a time now where you need the best to get your home sold. You need a strong agent to get your home sold. And it's, it's, and that's what it should be like. That's what it should be like. You need an educated, good agent to get your home sold. Let's go to the phones. Rick's been waiting a little while. Hello, Rick. Good day. Good day, sir. How are you? Ah, couldn't be better. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. I want to first apologize. I had to sit to the guy who screened the call because my call was really to uh, talk about uh, my friend Paul there and uh, return the favor to uh, wish him a, Amazing happy birthday. He took that time to do that for me in uh, Costa Rica two weeks ago. And uh, I just want to uh, wish my uh, my best buddy there. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Hang, on, hang on a minute. Rick, wait, Rick, Rick, wait. Paul's got a friend? <laughs> <laughs> He's got many. And uh, he, he occupies a big real estate spot in my heart. So I really love him. And uh, uh, actually, what he forgot to mention yesterday uh, is that uh, Cote was I uh, were there. We're actually at the library and at the golf simulator getting ready for his uh, annual uh, charity tournament where he's going to wipe the floor with Frank's team. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They won't be using any of Adam's shots, obviously. (laughs) I just wanted to put out there. But uh, again, uh, happy birthday, Paul. Uh, You occupy, like I said, a big spot in my heart. So uh, that's uh, uh, irreplaceable. And uh, have a great day, friend. Thanks, buddy. Love you, Ricky. Okay, take care. See, it's nice to have at least some good news in our first segment. <laughs> no yeah, kidding. You know what? And that that only cost me a hundred bucks for him to do that. Hey, that's pretty cheap. Right. That's pretty that's cheap. cheap. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's about. That's what two breakfasts. Well, for the way Frank eats, it's one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Frank, what's the what's the difference now between variable and a five year fixed? As far as how. Uh, the gap is pretty big. I mean, obviously, I mean, prime is only, only. I mean, it's a 3.2, which is still pretty good. And, uh, you know, depending on your circumstances, you can get anywhere between prime less a half to prime less one. So, uh, you know, you're still in the twos, uh, anywhere between the low to mid twos. But another, you know, another one or two Bank of Canada increases and to the tune of another percent. And then all of a sudden you're in the mid threes. Now, still better than taking a five-year fix. But the question isn't, like, if we knew that that's all that was going to happen, then that's one thing. But it's really uncertain right now. You know, like Paul said, it's fluid on the real estate. It's certainly fluid on our end right now because uh, we didn't expect these kinds of increases, number one. We didn't expect the world, uh, you know, the world economy to to do what it's done over the last three months. So nobody expected, and, and I'm, hey, I'm just a mortgage agent, but uh, there are economists out there that study this stuff. And three months ago, none of them predicted that this would happen. Not a chance that any of them predict this. So, uh, and this is all they do for a living. So again, I mean, sometimes we get hit with curveballs, and we've gotten a big curveball on this one. Um, it appears like, like I said, it's a fast-moving train right now, and doesn't appear to be slowing down. I mean, they're you know, Bank of Canada's talking about anywhere between a half a percent to a one percent increase in prime in one shot. You know, we're used to seeing quarter percent increases, and all of a sudden, we might see back-to-back increases well over 1% if you add them up. And and uh, that's unheard of. But that's, unfortunately, that's what we're facing with inflation numbers where they are. Would we ever see prime minus deals get better? Better than 1%? Better than 1%? You mean uh, better than prime minus 1? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're going the other way right now. That's the unfortunate part is that, you know, the, when there was liquidity in the market, and, and liquidity is basically the government was really sprucing up the bonds and buying a lot of the bonds, then there was a lot of liquidity in the market and, 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 and the banks were getting preferred pricing. Now they're not getting that preferred pricing anymore. 
and therefore they're getting a little bit tighter with their with their variance on prime. So you know, again, I mean, all lenders were pretty well at prime minus one, prime minus one and a quarter, and now uh, most of the big banks are prime minus point four now on a five year variable. So we've still got the non bank lenders. It just shows you that the profit margins are still there. Just the banks are preferring to minimize uh, the variance and in- increase their profits on the variable because they know that it's a popular product right now. Uh, but the non-bank lenders are still at, you know, you get a high ratio purchase uh, less than 20% down, you can get prime minus one sale. All you need is that 20%. Good luck. Yeah. Well, the 20% then brings you, again, it sounds crazy, but if you have 20%, it's not insurable anymore. Uh, and therefore, you end up not getting prime minus one. You end up, but now there's some non-bank lenders are still pretty good on those. They're, as long as you take a 25-year amortization, you can get prime less three quarters, prime less 0.85. So still very aggressive, but certainly not as aggressive as if it was a high-ratio mortgage. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back with Frank DiBolitano and Paul Rushworth. Paul, a lot of talk about ending blind bidding, and according to our provincial government, it's going to sort of, maybe kind of end because, first of all, it wouldn't start till April of 2023, and then it would be up to the seller whether or not they wanted to let people know there was blind bidding. So, to me, nothing changes here. Nothing changes at all. I mean, if you're a seller and you have a chance to, you know, let's say one someone bids $50,000 over asking and someone bids $100,000 asking... Like as a seller, that's what you want. And so now the government's letting you know that come April of 2023, you can opt to go into a a bidding system where you where it's 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 um, transparent, where you can tell the other person what other offers are, what the offer is all about. Why would a seller in their right mind do that? Like they're hurting themselves financially. So, I mean, yes, is, is it advantageous for a buyer? Absolutely, it's advantageous for a buyer. So they don't pay way too much for a property and maybe potentially even outbid themselves. But at the same time, if you're a seller, you don't care about that. You don't care if someone's overpaying for a property. It's, as a seller, that's what you want anyways. So the government's saying that you could opt into a transparent system where you talk about the other offers and everything's in the wide out open. No chance. Yeah, but no can't, chance. can't you do that now, anyways? If you're a seller, you can't you can't you say, okay, let's every let everybody know what the bidding is. No, you can't. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that at all. You can't do that at all. You can't divulge what the offers are. I mean, and why would you as a seller, anyways? Like you wouldn't want to do that, anyways. Like the, the blind bidding is advantageous for a seller. So by by saying that they're getting away with with that with that system is is wrong. I mean it's not happening. I mean a seller's not going to opt for that. No seller in their right mind would opt for that. So it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, to be honest with you. I don't know. I disagree a little bit. I I, I think in some cases you're going to see some sellers opt in for it because sometimes you might get a little more where you know exactly what you're bidding against. It's like an auction. Sometimes you go higher and you go higher because you really want that property. Where you know the way it is now with the blind bidding. I mean if you get told you're in the top three. Again, I mean, they're the, the, the unfortunate part is that you might be the top bid and the other two may not be willing to move. So, therefore, uh, you don't, you know, you, you know, you end up outbidding yourself and that just doesn't feel right. So, uh, or, you know, the second person uh, goes crazy and, and therefore, they're, I don't know, I just think that there, it could work in some scenarios. I agree with you. I think in many cases it might not work, but I think there might be some people that say, you know what, 
let's do it. Let's see what happens with it. So yeah, but yeah, if but they're so going to do it, shouldn't they just do it? Yeah, well, that's the thing. If they, they they either do it or they don't do it, this is stupid. And and you know what, Frank, if you're a buyer and you outbid yourself as a seller, not my problem. You know what I mean? It's not my problem. You outbid yourself. That's that's a you problem, not a me problem. And and as a seller, you want the most. Yeah, but I don't know that I'm outbidding myself because it's blind bidding. I have no idea. You're 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 telling people that they're in their top three. So right now, you're one of the top three at bidding. So you uh, you know you want to change your bid. But maybe that's number two and number three aren't changing their bids, and so I'm I'm bidding higher when I don't have to. I'm already going to get it at the price I'm getting it at. So that's a you problem, not a me problem. As a seller, <laughs> if you think about it, you know, like yeah, what's you you hate to see people throwing money away as a buyer. I mean, you hate to see it. I mean, if I'm a buyer, I'm working with a buyer. I want to know if my offer is is the top offer, and if I have to go a thousand more, five thousand dollars more, maybe I'll do it. Is it crazy if I had to go fifty thousand dollars more and I outbid myself? Yes. But as a seller, you don't care. You want the most amount of money for your property. That's all I'm saying is either get rid of blind bidding or keep blind bidding in. You got you, you, you to gotta pick a way. You can't leave it up to a seller because as a seller, you're picking the wrong party in this transaction. The buyer is the one who wants, who wants to be away with blind bidding. A seller does not. A seller definitely does not want to be away with blind bidding. Now, if they open this up, how many times do you go back and forth? Well, that's it, right? That's it. You can, I mean... I mean, the only way that you might get more for the property is if, let's say, you know, Frank and I are bidding on your property and Frank's like, okay, I'll go five grand more. I'll go 10 grand more. Frank will go 15 grand more. So you could possibly get more. The problem being is you're right. Like, when, when does it end? When does it end? You know, and it's, um, and then how transparent do you have to be? Do you have to talk about what conditions are in the offer? Do you have to talk about, you know, what closing dates are? Because right now they're saying the seller can be totally transparent and talk about everything to do with the offer. Yeah. Well, there's some privacy laws around that. I believe that that you know need to come into effect. And I mean, you can't be divulging what people are willing to pay, what people are you know what conditions are putting in, what their closing date is, what they're asking for, what their deposit is. There's got to be some privacy issues around that. And it's uh, you know I just think by them putting that in, I think they might be trying to save face, but it's a useless thing to put in. Useless. And and we don't know obviously, but would there have to be paperwork for each bid? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Like, or could it just be verbally? Who knows? You know, I mean, it, I mean, if there's paperwork for each bid, that's a lot of paperwork for a buyer, for a buyer's agent and a seller's agent. If you have to get, you know, new paperwork every single time uh, or, you know, just scratch out and put the new price or new this or that. But who knows what the conditions are going to be and what, the, what, you know, what the, what the state is going to be. Uh, nobody knows. Right. And it's, it, it, you know, I think it's just very um, high level right now is, is, is what I think it is, is there's no really... Uh, Meat to it, put it that way. Yeah, it's almost like we want to come up with an idea to do something, but we're not exactly sure how we want to implement it or how far yeah. we want to go. So let's just 12 months, though, to fix it, right? Because, yeah, I mean, yeah. this isn't for 12 months from now. So I think they've got some time to sit at a boardroom table, hopefully gather a whole bunch of real estate agents uh, and and come up with a solution that makes sense to both the vendors and the buyers, ideally, is, is what you'd like to see. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. They're also supposed to come up with a new code of ethics. Is there something wrong with your code of ethics now? No, it just has to be updated, right? It hasn't been updated in years. So it's uh, it, it just has to be updated. And, and what they're going to change, I have no idea. But it's uh, they're, they're apparently updating the code of ethics. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. But no, I mean, our code of ethics is still strong. I mean, there's lots of things we had to we have to adhere to as, as realtors. And I don't think that's going to change. I'm not sure what they're going to change. Who knows? But is there teeth to think- what they can come back at you with? Is there what, sorry? Is there teeth in teeth. the act right now? Is there? <laughs> um, but I think that's the issue, right? The, the, the issue is that both in both our industries, the regulatory 
uh, doesn't have the teeth. Like for some reason, if somebody does something wrong, uh, it takes way too long. And if you've ever been suspended for doing something on the mortgage or the real estate side, like you've really done something wrong. Like you are as guilty as can be because it takes a lot for them to suspend. I mean, they really have to dig down deep to suspend someone. So if anybody's been suspended in the real estate industry or in the mortgage industry, like they've got a, a lot of proof because there's many cases where there's some proof out there, but the person gets away with it. And, uh, you know, when you do get suspended, it's because like it's it's black and white. I mean, they caught you, period, and you've done something wrong. The problem is that these people come back into the industry. So they might get a a 30 or 45 day suspension and then they're back and and they really have won't stop what they're doing because again the regulatory bodies i think have don't have the teeth that they need to have to be able to do this we're uh, we're pretty stringent in the real estate industry i mean we you, you don't get suspended i mean i've only heard of one agent really that's been suspended and fined quite large um <laughs> But um, uh, other than that, like you, we, we get fines for things, uh, even like our listing paperwork or listing when it hits the market. If there's issues, we can get fined for that. Uh, if we book a showing and we don't show up and we don't cancel the appointment, we get fined for that. Um, and there's lots of incidents where there's disciplinary disciplinary con- committees in, in real estate where people get fined and, um, you know, you have to take an ethics course, uh, something like that. Like there's, there's, it's pretty stringent in real estate. We're pretty strict in real estate. We want things done the right way. And a lot of the agents are, well, all the agents I know are doing a great job uh, adhering. To- oh, oh, and I agree. Listen, Paul, I mean, when I talk about mortgage brokers and agents and real estate agents, I mean, probably 95% of them are right by the book and do everything right. Yep. It's that small percentage that do it wrong. And I think there was a documentary uh, this past winter as well on real estate agents where they had a hidden camera and how the real estate agents were uh, lying to the buyers and saying that that house, uh, they're not calling them back because it was a for sale and it wasn't listed on the MLS. Uh, it was a private. And again, there are circumstances like that, but those are that those bad apples and every industry has them. And unfortunately, those bad apples stand out sometimes. Hey, the radio industry doesn't have those bad apples. <laughs> You're the only bad apple, Steve. 521-TALK, <laughs> We'll be right back with the good apples. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show with Paul Rushworth and Frank DiPolitano. Reading an article this week about, and I see the headline CMHC predicts. And whenever I see that, <laughs> I go, "Gee, the opposite will happen." I, I, I wonder if it's going to be yeah. right. This it seems to be. They seem to be accurate this time. They're predicting the Ottawa housing market's going to cool this year, but prices will go up. Agree? Well, you know, we've already seen we've already seen that the prices are up, right? Like when we look at year to date, average sale price is up fourteen point two percent. However. That's over April or sorry, March of last year, right? Yeah. Um, They're talking about so going forward, right? Yeah. Yeah. Going forward, uh, I, I do think that we are going to cool. I do think this market is going to cool. Will prices go up? Yes, they will. Will they go up exponentially like they have in the past couple of years? No, they will not. And the reason is the only reason they are going to go up is because of the lack of inventory. When there's nothing to when there's nothing to purchase, people are clamoring over every house. Uh, it's nice to see more inventory hit the market. If we can see lots of inventory hit the market, we will see some price cooling. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many people. I mean, 
what, what, I, what was the stat I used? Uh, I said last week in that article is like 62% of people between the age of 18 and 35 yeah. are sitting on the sideline and waiting for the bubble to burst. And you know what? If you're waiting for the bubble to burst, you're, you're going to be waiting a long time because that bubble is not bursting. It's cost Will you hundreds we, of thousands of dollars if you've been waiting, right? Well, since January 1st, 2021, the average sale price has gone up $208,000. So if you're waiting for that bubble to burst, it's not bursting. You're going to continue. I, mean, I know people who were looking to buy back then and said, no, market's too insane. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait. $208,000 later, they're still waiting, right? So... I, I, I would not be waiting. We're, we are going to have a cooling market, but our prices are going to continue to climb, but just not exponentially like they have over the last couple of years is my prediction. And for people that bought in the last year and a half, should they be concerned that they paid too much? No, there are a lot of people that did pay too much for their house. But you know what? As long as that's your forever house, or you're going to be there for a number of years, did you really overpay? I mean, I look at both my offices, my West End office and my East End office. I overpaid for both. I wanted the location. I overpaid for it. I knew I overpaid for it, but I knew I was there for the long haul. And eventually they will appreciate in price and they've already appreciated in price astronomically. So there's times where, yes, you, you might kick yourself and you think you paid a little bit too much money, but you know what? Wait 10 years. Where are you going to be in 10 years? I mean, I had, a, I had a friend of mine who bought a townhouse. When we thought it was the peak. We thought it was crazy. There's no way townhouses go higher. She paid 480 for it in Orleans. And she, <laughs> and she panicked. She panicked. And I said, trust me, you're going to be fine. No, townhomes are going for 480. I've overpaid. I've overpaid. And keep in mind, probably about four months earlier, I paid 390 for a townhouse and I thought I overpaid. Today, her townhouse is worth 650 to 700. And I kept calling her every month. I'm like, by the way, your townhouse is now worth 500. By the way, your townhouse is now worth 515. By the way, your townhouse is now 530. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yes, really. I told you, you, pay, you think you paid too much, but you didn't pay too much. And we've seen over time that people did not pay too much. And if you pay, you bought something, um, you know, a year, a year and a half ago, don't panic. Your home is already appreciated and you're fine with your price. All right, Frank, if I'm a first time home buyer now and I come to see you, what can I expect you to tell me? Oh, I can expect to tell you, hopefully, that you can still get pre-approved. That's what I hope to tell everyone. But, you know, one of the first questions I'll ask now is what's your income? Because your income is going to determine whether you're even in that price range or not. Now, if you have a significant down payment, obviously, that helps a lot. Uh, but, you know, if you're looking to buy with 5% down in today's market, depending on where you're buying, if you're buying in the outskirts, you know, you might find something in the 500s, but realistically in the city, you're looking at sixes or sevens to begin with, unless you're looking at a condo apartment and then you might be in the fours. But then we also have to review what the condo fees are because those impact your qualifying as well. But, uh, you know, the hope is always to be able to say, yep, you've been, you, uh, you're approved. I think the challenging part today is, you know, as much as we were qualifying at five and a quarter percent, we thought that that was high and it was. I mean, a year ago, you know, you, you know, you were able to get two, two and a quarter percent for a five-year fixed, and you're qualifying at five and a quarter. So that was a big gap. Today, unfortunately, I mean, now you've got high ratio mortgages in the four percent range. So even though the qualifying rate's five and a quarter, I'm having to qualify you at six percent. So that's number one. That much tougher to qualify. And then secondly, and more important, is what the payment is, because obviously that's what most clients look at. You know, as much as they want to know what the rate is and whether they qualify or not, at the end of the day, it's all about, okay, so if I bought a property for this amount, what would it cost me on a biweekly or monthly basis? And then once they hear that number, that's where the shock hits now with the with that number being significantly higher than it was just a short three months ago and, and uh, way, way 
bigger than it was uh, six months ago and eight months ago. So uh, that's the challenging part for us is is uh, making sure that if a client is approved or is pre-approved, that that payment is still within their wheelhouse, that they're still going to be able to live comfortably and still continue the lifestyle that they're accustomed to. And would that payment, would you say, be hundreds of dollars more than it would have been a year ago? For sure. I mean, uh, you know, I, you know, you're talking about a significant intri- uh, increase. We're not talking about a quarter point, a half a point. We've seen just this year, just in 2022, we've seen rates go up by one and a half to one and three quarter percent on a five year fix. So, you know, if if house values continued to stay low like they were before, then that's OK. But now you've got the you know, basically it's a two headed monster. You've got house prices that have gone up tremendously, and now you've got interest rates that have gone up tremendously. So, you know, you know, if you combine the two of them, it, it really, really uh, is hurting a lot of, especially first-time home buyers that, you know, are trying to compare their mortgage payment to their rent mm. because they don't want to pay somebody else's mortgage. They want to be able to pay their own mortgage, but the rents haven't caught up to the higher interest rates today. So. You know, I don't know if you, I don't know if you can talk about that, Paul. But are rents higher today than they were two months ago or three months ago? Are they still on about par? Yeah, they're about par where they were a couple months ago. I mean, we went through uh, probably over the last two years a period where rents just skyrocketed. Maybe even three years actually, where rents just skyrocketed. But since they've skyrocketed, they've pretty much plateaued. I mean, they haven't gone up too much more than they than they have. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny, I read an article the other day saying the way that the, the, the economy is going right now, the way the prices for everything from gas to groceries to homes to mortgage rates to everything, the way it's gone up, people saved a lot of money during the pandemic because they weren't going on vacation. They weren't doing a lot. So people saved a lot of money. And this article said by the end of 2022, all that money they saved will be gone because of what's going on with mortgage rates and inflation mm-hmm. Price of gas and the price of groceries, and it's just too expensive to live nowadays. And it's, uh, and it's, you know, you, Frank's right. When you get that two-headed monster, you got prices going through the roof. You got mortgage rates going through the roof. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a three-headed monster, really, because now you're also paying yeah. more for gas, food, everything else. Yeah. So again, I mean, everything is going against you. It's like, you know, it's like facing this hurricane coming against you. You know, just to give you an idea, on a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Uh, you know, five months ago, six months ago, your payment would have been twenty two hundred. Today, it's it's almost twenty six fifty. So, four hundred and fifty dollars a month adds up real quickly when you're adding everything else on top of that. Yeah, and that's four fifty. So you're not putting uh, down on principal too, right? Correct. That's all interest, and now you're also paying an extra three or four hundred dollars for groceries, an extra hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars for gas, and when you start adding it all up, boy, it really it. it, it it's hurting specifically young Canadians. It's hurting, and it's definitely hurting the seniors, the older Canadians that you know are, are on a fixed pension, and their pension isn't going up at the same pace that inflation is, and that everything else has gone up. The only thing they've got going for them, if they've owned a home and they've kept it over the last couple of years, at least they've made some good tax-free money on the equity in their home. But they've, but now they're starting to really feel it on the other end. You know what's funny is I, I, I haven't seen. In a long time, I haven't seen people at grocery stores with their coupon books in their hand yeah. looking looking for what's on sale and what the deals are. Yeah. I was in the grocery store the other day, and I, I looked around. There's probably three people who had the, the, the weekly flyer out looking for what's on sale and what the deal of the uh, deal of the week is. I haven't seen that in eons. Not to mention the apps. Everybody's got apps now to save money, too. 
Yeah. Yeah. Now, here, yeah. the one thing yeah. I, just before we go to the break, the one thing I, I got to commend you guys on, both your businesses is always leading the way. I think the 15% hike for salary across the board for your employees is an amazing gesture on your part. <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, listen, uh, to, uh, listen to those. I, I, are you hinting that you need a 15% no, raise no, to do the no, show with us? No, Is that what you're no, hinting I at? Just, I just Sorry, like Steve. It's really staticky. I can't hear you. <laughs> I, I've never heard crickets on this show before, but I've never heard them there. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the phones we go. Beautiful downtown Ottawa. Say hello to Michael. Hello, Mike. Hello. How are you, Paul? I'm Steve, but go ahead, Paul. (laughs) Say hi. Good, good, Michael. What's going on? (laughs) Hi. uh, So basically, I got a mortgage um, about 15, 16 years ago at about 186. Right now, the amount is about $45,000 left. Um, what I like to do is like I like to buy another house, but not in the province of Ontario, but in the East Coast. Um, would you know if this is possible to buy another house with uh, with nothing down? Would that be possible, or do I need to go and uh, like save some money for down payment? Because this is one house I really like. Well, I think what you'd want to do is borrow from the equity in your current home and use it as a down payment. You cannot buy a second home. So, so you're looking to buy that second home as an investment property, or for you to move into? Um, for investment property. Yeah, so investment properties today, you need a minimum of 20% down payment. But again, I mean, you're in a position where, you know, you've got what you said, what, $45,000 left in your current mortgage? That's right. What's the house worth? Um, my neighbor is selling for five fifty, but there's a three bedroom. Yeah. Mine is two, and two bedroom and a den. So I'm guessing maybe about yeah. four fifty. dollars you know? Yeah, either way, you're going to be four fifty five hundred. You've got a lot of equity in there to be able to pull out, to be able to use as a down payment towards the uh, the investment property. Again, I mean, I think you know, with the help of Paul, you want to be able to uh, figure out whether uh, that investment makes sense from a standpoint of what's the rental income on it, because you're going to have technically, if you have no money down, you're technically going to have a if you're paying five hundred for the new one. You're going to have a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage. It just might be broken up in two pieces. You know, a hundred thousand on one house and four hundred on the other. Her, uh, but you'll be able to write off the interest on it. I think that's the good news with the rental income. The question is, is the rental income enough to offset it? And if it's short, then at that point, do you have the means to be able to uh, to live comfortably and still uh, pick up the shortfall? I see. And the property you said was in Nova Scotia, Mike. Yes, in the East Coast, yes. Yeah, so East Coast yeah. won't appreciate as quickly, right, guys? That's true. Oh, I don't, well, boy, boy, I, I don't know about that. The East Coast is appreciated as fast as everything mm-hmm. else these days because there's a lot of people from major cities that are selling their current homes and moving to the East Coast, and hence why we've seen the increases in house values because they they brought up those house values based on the fact that they now can work um, you know, from home and therefore... Uh, some people have moved back to where they were originally from that, yeah. you know, the reason they moved is to get jobs in some of the major cities. But now that they've got this job and they can keep it by working remotely, then they're moving back home to be closer to family. Okay. That that makes sense. That makes sense. So, um, so your, your best bet, uh, from your best advice for me is to basically take more uh, equity out of my current mortgage and apply that to the, the new, the new uh, the down payment you have to because you cannot buy the house with lo- with nothing down so you have to put the 20 percent down okay 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 oh. thanks right, michael 
Thank you. But it's possible. But it's possible. So, you ever you think investment uh, deposits will have to be bigger than twenty percent at some point, Frank? New Zealand's gone that direction. Uh, they haven't uh, come out with their statistics yet as to whether it's been uh, it's been working. But they were struggling with supply issues there as well, and uh, their government uh, came to the conclusion that. Uh, too many of the same people were buying that second or third home, and because of that, um, you know what what ended up happening is is uh, you know house value started to appreciate the way they have here. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, they opted to go with the forty percent down payment uh, to be able to buy a second home. Um, it used to be when I started in this business, um, it used to be thirty five percent down to get a uh, an investment property. So, um, you know. Can I see that happening? Maybe, possibly. Um, you know, it, it would help maybe. But again, it helps the richer, right? Yeah, so so yeah. where do you balance that act out? Uh, you know, so people that are well off will have the 35% down. So you're opening the door for them to be able to buy an investment property and maybe not the middle class Canadian who might only have 20% down. You're taking that option away from them. So I don't know what's, what's right and what's wrong. Uh, obviously, somebody's not going to like it. Where are we at now with investors, Paul? Are you seeing as many or is it tailed off a little bit since prices have gone up? A lot of our investors are coming from abroad. And when I say abroad, I mean Toronto. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. we get a lot of we get a lot of Toronto buyers here. Like we've always seen Toronto buyers, but for some reason right now we're seeing lots of Toronto buyers. And I mean I know why, and that's why some of our prices have gone through the roof, right? I mean, come here and spend Seven fifty on a townhome is cheap, cheap, cheap for a Toronto buyer when their townhomes there are you know one point four million, and right? You, so and you've got a lot of equity in your Toronto homes, right? So you have a lot of equity in your Toronto home. They're coming here. They're paying. Some of them are paying cash for these homes, and they're laughing at it, you know. And especially when we were going through this pandemic with people being able to work from home, I mean. There's a lot of people that were leaving Toronto. Ottawa is a beautiful city and they were moving to Ottawa and they're doing their work from Ottawa and they're selling their, you know, two, $3 million home in Toronto and paying cash for a palace here in Ottawa. You know, so we're, we're seeing a lot of Toronto buyers coming in here uh, and not just Toronto. I mean, over the last little bit, we've seen buyers coming in from the West coast and from the East coast, but, but I'd say Toronto because there's, you know, there are neighbors yeah. uh, is pretty much, pretty much the, the predominant uh, people coming to, to Ottawa. And does it and work the same way, Paul, would you, if you've got enough equity here, in Ottawa, is it worth going to a smaller town to buy an investment property? Well, there's more people looking for rentals in a smaller town than there are people trying to rent. So it, it, it makes sense to buy something in the outskirts. Uh, and when you t- say a smaller town, are you talking like the Brockvilles and the you know the Arm Priors, or are you talking more like the Kingston and Belleville and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, they like Cornwall, you know. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, you're getting something cheaper. You have lots of people looking for rent in those places because the income's not as good, right? So a lot of people are renters there, so they, they need places to rent. Um, and, and even if you're going purchasing for yourself, yeah, I mean, it makes sense if you want to cash out some of your equity and, you know, if things are getting too expensive for you now with, with you know, groceries and gas and utilities and all that stuff and you want to downsize a little bit, going to the outskirts is not a bad thing, especially with people working from home now. However, saying that, I think as we, I mean, it's hard to say we're coming out of this pandemic because we're really not. Cases are flying through the roof, but it's just, we're, we're slowly coming out of this. Um, yeah, we're learning I, to live with it anyway. We're learning to live with it, you know, and we're learning to live with it. I think, I think you might see more employers start to get their, their staff back to, to the offices. Uh, I know I'm sort of working with my staff a little bit more to get back to the office. And then, you know, even if it's, you know, two, three days a week, I, I want to see people in the office again, uh, you know, creates that company culture. Uh, I think productivity is better in the office 
as well. Um, you know, and, and I'm a, I'm for me personally with my company, I'm a metrics guy. If I see our metrics, our metrics going South, yeah. uh, I'm changing things. And that means you're coming back to the office. I want those metrics going North. And if we can go, if we can go North and we're doing better, I don't care where you're working yeah. from. Does that mean my two-year vacation is going to come to an end soon? <laughs> well, we need we need to get back to the studio. But I, you know what? I checked, actually. I checked online the place where we go for breakfast every morning. They've actually increased their prices. So what I did is I took the price increase, times it by the 52 breakfasts I'll buy, Frank. And, I, yeah, it's actually skyrocketed for me. It's about $2,600 more a year for me because of Frank's uh, eating habits. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and you're looking for coupons at the same time, aren't you? <laughs> hey, I got to do what I got to do to save money, bud. <laughs> Birthday's Frank. Uh, I got a few, uh, uh, Greg Extens, who's, who's on my team, celebrated his birthday this week. Reader, Sean Reed, celebrated his birthday uh, just a few days after he he refed a 1,000 game in the OHL, so happy birthday. Corky, Brian Corky, uh, who's been at your golf tournament there, Paul, uh, um, the year that we won, and we we won, but we didn't get the win. But anyway, that's another story, so happy <laughs> birthday to Corky. And Ronell, who works on Darren Sador's team, Ronell Hart, celebrating her birthday, so happy birthday to Ronell as well. Well, unfortunately, last year winning my golf tournament, or the last time we had a golf tournament, will probably be the last. Because talking to Cote last night, his game is in form, and he's he's, he's going to wipe. Uh, he's like I said, him, they're not going to use any of his shots, so it really won't matter what he plays <laughs> like. At least they use my shots. So I do have I do have one birthday. Uh, my sister and I are three hundred and sixty four days apart, so my sister turns forty nine today. Uh, she lives in Australia, uh, so she's definitely not listening. But happy birthday, Sam! Wow. Isn't that neat? We know yeah. wow, your eh? parents had a busy year there. <laughs> yeah. For one day, for one day, we're the same age. Paul but, at paulrushforth.com, yeah. Frank and at mortgagebrokersottawa.com. Have a great day, boys. Have, Have a, a great weekend, weekend and please continue to support local businesses and charities, all. 